0: Happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me. Hello guys, it's Brady and I'm back. It is my 39th birthday today and I really took a moment to be like, should I record today? Should I? And then I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we left off last about, you know, me being, you know, at my family member's house that Abused me, and well, eventually, my mom ends up getting out of jail and you know, kidnapping us and all that. Y'all seen, y'all heard in episode two. Um, Well, she ends up getting custody of us somehow. I guess dad abandoned us for long enough. I guess the state of Kentucky was like, you know what, maybe he's not that good of a parent, (laughs) and mother was able to you know, retrieve us, kind of like the knight in shining armor of her, (laughs) well, my mom had issues of her own, you know what I'm saying, that she had been battling and fighting, you know, mental illness, drug addiction, drug abuse, but um, that's been most of the life that I can remember with her, but she started off really as an alcoholic you know, after prison is when it kind of got, like, bad because she wasn't like that before. And she went through a plethora of men, you know. She, you know, is a very anxiously attached woman because of her childhood, and which made her, you know, be insane <laughs> when it came to men. And it was only around men when she was insane. She would... You know Belittle Abuse Yell if She And it wasn't like she did those things It wasn't like she was abusive You know Immediately She was abusive when she When they were going to do something on their own Without her She was abusive when They wanted to live their own life But still be with her She would accuse them of cheating She was very toxic because she couldn't take Them having their own individual self. Because she didn't know herself individually. Tack on two kids with that. And I don't even think my mom had a job then. So, I don't know how the fuck she was making it. Right now, I'm like, damn, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure that's when, you know, we were living around. I remember, like, living with my grandmother. Now, my mom has been married uh, multiple times. My mom has been married so much. She's like a, you know, I think I used to say, you know... You know, she must, like, really like love or like that fucking first feeling. She's just mentally ill. There's there's no other thing, you know, to say. And not talking bad about my mom just for the long time. She had these issues that nobody, you know, back then nobody gave a shit about that stuff. And throw alcohol and kids on it. You know what? You're going to be fucking batshit. So, um, I'll start very slowly so you won't get confused. Um, My earliest memory of anybody that my mom was with is not a good memory. And I should, I did start this off light because I feel like it needed to be started off light. Um, Things my mother did as a mom put me in danger, but I don't think she seen it that way at the time. And I don't think she knew what was going on. Because of the person she is. I just think that things happen. When you are need a man to fill that void, you just pick any man. And sometimes you're not cautious of who that man is and what they do. Now, I won't name names because the motherfucker don't deserve a name. <laughs> he don't deserve to breathe. Okay? I'm going to give a really, really big trigger warning to anybody that has dealt with sexual abuse or any kind of abuse because this is going to be really hard for y'all to hear. Now, I'm going to be talking as calm as I can because I've talked about this a lot in therapy. Now, some, sometimes I can get through it and sometimes I can't, you know. So we're just going to do our best. And if you have, um, like, if you're very sensitive, you don't want to listen to this um, episode. It will talk about sexual abuse and things of that nature. So, this is my pre-warning to y'all. Five minutes in, I'm warning, trigger warning. This is very trigger triggering to people. Um, and I'm not saying this stuff, again, to f- make people feel bad for me. I'm not saying any of this for attention. This is for me. The only reason why I post it is because... When I read it back, sound it back, I feel like the story needs to be heard sometimes. Sometimes I just need to be heard, and it's not a narcissistic thing because I have too much empathy for that. I'm saying it's like sometimes I just need to be heard. So we'll get started. My mom met a man. I don't know how she met him, but all I remember. It's like it comes in and out My memory And I have a great memory But I think I was just so young At this point I think around at this point I'm going backwards a little bit In my age I may have been It had to be six Or seven Six or seven I thought originally it was around five, but as I'm doing the timeline, I'm seeing that, you know, around six or seven is when this stuff happened. Or, you know, I might be kind of off on the ages. I just know what I know, you know. I had suppressed a lot of memories um, for a long time, so it could be a little foggy. But I digress, and we go forward. My mom met a man... And she seemed to really like this guy. You know what I'm saying? Um He wasn't like the greatest guy. From what I remember, I don't remember a lot about him, just that he was an alcoholic. I do remember that. And she was an alcoholic, and they had that in common, I'm guessing. I really don't know what she's seen in him. I know she dated him for about two years or maybe shorter. But it was long enough that we lived in the home with him. And I remember it didn't ever, it just started out of nowhere the sexual things with him. It came out of nowhere. Like I just remember it not being like that And then the rest of the time always being like that You know what I mean And I remember We lived on 7th street Across from White Castle I remember It was hot out It, was sun- it had to be summertime And I remember that We had to go to bed at a certain time. I think maybe eight or nine or something. I remember because I was scared of the dark. I've always been scared of the dark. And the way that our bedroom was set up is like Stephen's bed was in one way. um, And my bed was kind of like you had to open the door to see my bed fully. But if you... Had the door cracked The light from the hallway would shine onto his bed But I was behind the door Kind of like When you open the door My bed was in the far left corner His bed was in the far right corner And um, I remember It being too hot that night I just remember being very hot And I think I got up and I said uh, something about being hot. And, of course, Mom was like, get the fuck back in bed. And I got back in bed. And I remember, Mom, I remember hearing Mom go to sleep because I was still up. Because I always did that. And the light in the hallway would shine right on my brother's face. You know, and I would just always lay there and just look. And the light would shine on his face. Well, I heard footsteps coming down the hallway, and it's a small hallway. It's not a long one. It's a very tiny house. If you ever see it, it's on 7th Street in Louisville, across from the White Castle. It's like the middle house. Um, And I remember hearing the footsteps, and I faked like I was, I played like I was still asleep. And I heard, and I peeked kind of like out my eye a little bit, and I heard the door creak open, and I seen the light get bigger on my brother's face. So I'm assuming he's peeking in on us to see if we're asleep. You know? And I... Hear, like the door go to close again and I slowly open up my eyes a little bit but he's still standing there and the door's already shut at this point I heard click and these are sounds that still resonate in me and I remember this and I remember a lot of details and Trigger warning again I remember hearing his belt buckle hit the floor and in my head I'm not processed I'm like what is, why is his belt buckle I in my head I'm still innocent thinking is he about to spank me did I do something I didn't know I was about that I did you know I was thinking damn I'm about to get a fucking spanking No, I just remember him, I heard that hit the floor, I have heard him walking, and he kind of walked towards my brother, and I seen at that point he had no clothes on. And I immediately froze, like, I felt sick in my stomach, because I thought that he was going to, like, I don't know. I didn't know what he was going to do, but he was naked and and looking at my brother. What he was doing is seeing if my brother was fully asleep, you know? And, of course, Stephen was asleep, and then I seen him move towards me, and he slowly got into the bed with me, and at this point, I am... So confused You know I don't know what's going on I just Honestly I went to a different place Like I know that sounds crazy But like I didn't know What was going on I was young So I said Where's mommy And he said, you be quiet. And I started to cry a little bit. And he said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to break your fucking neck. And then he, like, laid me on my stomach and started raping me in my bottom. Of course, I didn't know at this time that that's what, you know, that is, you know, started sodomizing me is what they say. And, you know, I just remember looking at this spot on the wall (laughs) and it was like if I stare hard enough at that spot that this won't be really happening and I could smell alcohol and I could smell his sweat and I had so much pressure on my head where he was on top of me that I could I thought that he was going to like smother me because my face was squished into the bed and I was staring at that fucking spot on the wall and I don't know what kind of got me through it it was the it was very painful it was extremely painful and then of course, you know he um finishes of course He goes and gets a towel and comes back and cleans me up. And, of course, I'm bleeding, you know. And I just remember him saying, if you tell anybody, I will kill you and I will kill your brother. And there's nothing nobody can ever do about it. Nobody's going to believe you. And every time that he did these kind of things, that's what he would say. So in my head, I was thinking, people ain't going to believe me. I lie all the time. You know? I remember the next day being so sore and just my neck was sore, my back was sore, I'm not registering a lot. I still got up and played. I was just sore on my bottom. Well, when I tried to have a bowel movement, I was bleeding, and my mom took me to the hospital or something. And I told them, you know that I remember them asking me, "Did anybody touch you? Did anybody do anything to you?" And I was strictly like, "This motherfucker's still in the hell. Hell, not no. Nobody did anything to me. I, it just hurts to poop," is what I would say. And they were like, well, she's probably having a bowel movement. It's probably too big and it's will start bleeding. And I thought thought maybe they could examine me and they would catch it. They did examine me. They didn't say anything. And I thought maybe I won't have to say nothing. Maybe they'll already know, you know. But they didn't. And I remember having to go back that night. Um, Every night after that point was like that. Come in. Felt buckle hit the floor. And he would either rape me anally, vaginally, or want oral sex. He would want to do those things to me. Of course, I don't know what any of this is. I was smack dead in the middle of being raped every night some way. Sexually abused some way. And it felt good. I know that's going to sound crazy to people. People are like, ew, what the fuck is wrong with you? No, I didn't know. I never got a lot of attention. So that kind of attention at that time, because I didn't know, I thought it was normal attention. And I used to feel guilty about that. Now being an adult, I know why it felt good because I didn't know. I thought that that was what love is. You know what I'm saying? In my eyes, I thought, oh, well, everybody's stepdad does this to them. Everybody's daddy does this to them. Everybody's male figure does this to them. Because in the past, I was molested by other people. Just touched vaginally. I never was entered or anything until, you know, I was with my mom and that guy. My mom slept was never, my mom never knew about any of this. Up until, you know, later on, that'll come out. But um, every night, I just remember every night, I remember it being just so stressful on me that I couldn't, I would hate to be asleep at nighttime because I didn't want to be woke up to that. Like, I I even still have issues with that now. Like, I am a night... I used to be a night owl for the longest time where I didn't do anything. I would stay up all night. So, I just stay up all night long just because in my head, I thought if I was awake because I played asleep every time, I thought if I would just stay awake, then I don't have to worry about this keep happening to me. You know what I'm saying? And I just, there were just so many things that happened at that young of an age that I should have never went through. None of that, you know? I shouldn't know what ejaculation tastes like at that young of an age. I shouldn't know what it feels like coming out of your body at that age. And I know that's rough, you know, to hear, but it's what happened. And I feel like people don't grasp it. Like, for years, I would say, you know, hey, I was raped, but they don't understand this. It's not just the sexual act that defames you, that takes you away, you know, it's everything fucking else. It's the acts. It's the touching. It's physical touch. It's, you don't know what's healthy physical touch and you don't know what's bad physical touch. So you just link them all together. And that's probably why for the longest time I couldn't stand to be touched when I was laying in, like, be in my sleep. You know how most couples can wake each other up and, you know, have normal fucking sex. I'm, for the longest time in my, up until my early twenties, I couldn't do that. I couldn't be touched in my sleep. Like, Sexually I was okay with cuddling But I really did not like Being woke up being touched Because it just threw me back And of course with therapy and all that It kind of has helped But you still have that dirty feeling Your whole life I mean I already thought I wasn't good enough I already thought My life was fucking horrible And it's like I used to think, could it get worse? Well, yeah, (laughs) it got fucking worse. It got really worse. And I know there's a storm before it's calm, but fuck, in my childhood, it felt like it was never calm. I was never safe. I didn't ever feel safe. I didn't ever feel loved genuinely. It's like they wanted something out of me They wanted sex And I feel so bad for my younger self Like And I know I should be over this shit Because Hello I'm 39 But At 39 You still have the effects Of what happened to you As a child And I'm not one of those people that like to live in the past. I'm not one of those people that like to use my past as a reason why, this and that. Because I'm not a shitty person. I could have easily used my past as an excuse. Me, hell yeah. I could have been using that for most of my life. I could have also used, you know, being raped for a reason to just go out and be promiscuous and go crazy. Because that's what most women do when they're raped. Our children, when they're raped as a child and they go up, they don't know any valid feelings. They think that that sexual feeling is the end-all, tell-all. It makes you feel like, oh, well, at least somebody wants me. If, you know, they want me sexually, then they want me all the time. And I went through that, you know? I went through that a lot when I was growing up. Like, I wanted to be sexualized I wanted men to find me sexy. I wanted, for the longest time, for them to be turned on by me. And I know that sounds fucked up, but I didn't know any better. Because in my eyes, if I turned them on, then they wanted me. And if they wanted me, it means somebody wanted me. Regardless of what the want was, I always felt like if I could get them turned on, then they then they want me, and then there's nothing that could stop them. They'll always find if they find me attractive, they'll always find me attractive. You know, they'll never forget me. And I think for the longest time, I, I really thought that. Like I really did think if I can just be the best at sex. This is in my older life, of course. If I can just be their best. Sexual experience ever Give them the best head Give them the best Everything Make the experience all about them And if I do this Neglecting my own needs again If I do this for them They'll always remember me They'll remember me Because I'll be the best sex of their life So in my head I really thought That's something you want to be remembered by Even still up in my 30s Up until recently I really thought like that I thought if I can just be the best they've ever had, they're never going to forget me. I won't be forgotten. And I think, you know, having borderline personality disorder rages in in that because you have so many extreme feelings. You go from wanting to be the hottest person ever. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my body. Look at this. Look at that. Very sexual to being. Don't look at me. Please don't look at me. I'm ugly. I don't want you to stare at me and it's emotions like high and low and high and low and some days some days it's just too much you know some days it's like I'm that little kid again and Just feel... Alone. And I've dealt with a lot of this, so... And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. You know? I'm always the happy, fun... But sometimes... When I lay here and I think about the life I had, I'm happy you know even though I'm crying right now I'm, I'm I'm very happy with as strong as I am and what I've overcome I know that means something somewhere you know and I'm healing so there's gonna be days that are rough there are going to be days that I don't want to move and there is days like that so I just go with the flow I'm not perfect I have been the bad guy in many people's stories I've done some really really shitty fucking things I've done some really great things too and I'm glad that I have that diversity that people know me full round. Like, I've always been, what I will say is that I've always been upfront about who the fuck I am. I'm crazy. That's the first thing I think I tell people when we get to talking. But I mean, anybody, I say, I'm batshit. I'm fucking insane. And they're always laughing, ha ha ha. I'm like, no, I'm really fucking crazy. But I'm like my mother. And it used to fucking kill me when I'd say that shit, because, you know, I'm trying to break those generational curses. <laughs> I was I was a severely anxiously attached, and when it come to dating, I was batshit insane. I I ended up doing the same shit in my relationships to push away, or you know, because I felt insecure. I was super controlling. I was super tracking them, following them, needing to know where they was at all times. I think back and. I was so insecure with myself. I just didn't love myself. And I would jump into these relationships thinking that they could make me whole. And the whole time I'm dragging my son along with me, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I'm so young because I had him at 17. And it's like, do I, do I ever get over, will I ever get over any of this shit that's plagued me most of my life? So this is why I wanted to talk and make like at least something out there. So when my kids grow up and if they ever have an ill feeling about me or think, you know, why the fuck was she the way she was? Like I used to think, why the fuck is my mom the way she is? And I didn't realize it up until my 30s why she was the way she was. And I just want my kids to one day come back and be able to listen to my childhood from the beginning to the end, and then they can make their own decisions on how they feel about me later on when they're adults. That's fine. My goal every day is to make sure that my children know that I'm not perfect, but I love them so unconditional that I would lay down and die for them, and I know they know this. I live every day for them. Every day I have a feeling about killing myself. And it's not like I'm going to kill myself. Does that make sense to some people? Ever since I was a little girl, I always thought and idolized suicide as when I was younger. Because I thought that it was the easy way out. I thought that, hey, if I could just, and I used to think, if I can just end my life, I don't have to deal with this shit no more. I remember when my grandmother died, I was going to kill myself. I was going to fucking kill myself. And I remember saying it a hundred times over and over again, like in my head, just do it. And then you, your pain's gone. Like you, people don't understand mental illness and how it feels when you are at your, your brain will literally start telling you and making you feel like you're fucking insane. And a lot of people's like people that do suicides weak, I'm sorry. They're not fucking weak. These people are some of the strongest people. They are just... They're mind one. And they couldn't handle it anymore. So that shit makes me so mad when I see a motherfucker say that suicide is the weakest of the weak. No, it's not. You don't know what the fuck them people go through. You don't know what the fuck anybody goes through. So if somebody wants to fucking end their life by their choice, I know it might seem selfish if they have kids. Maybe in their head at that time, their brain thought, I'm going to make their lives better. Not realizing that they're everything to their kids. But sometimes we as parents get so down on ourselves, our brains can really make us feel like we're not good enough. And maybe they are better off without us. I'm self-aware enough to know I will never harm myself. Ever. I don't give a fuck how many feelings I have in my si- inside of me. I wake up every day so strong for my kids. I know that they love me, and I know what their life would be like without me. Cuz I've seen many people's parents that's killed themselves. I've seen how they are and how they act. I already seen the data, and I know for me, I don't care how bad my brain tells me oh, you know what, you know how easy this could be to be over, I know for 100% fact that'll never be me. Now, that's not me discrediting the people that have because you you guys just don't, uh, normal people that don't have this kind of feeling inside don't understand it, and you won't ever, and I'm not trying to convince you. Do believe what you want, you know? I think we need to raise more awareness on people with suicide. A lot of people that have borderline personality disorder, that's how they die. I'm not no fucking statistic, and I'm not going to spit out numbers. I don't know, but from what I've been gathering, a lot of people that has borderline personality disorder, and a lot of people don't know, is I was diagnosed with bipolar 1 when I was a child. Well, about teenager years. Just now in my 30s, they told me I've been misdiagnosed this entire fucking time and that it's actually borderline personality disorder. And I have been on board saying this for five years to them, trying to get them to re-diagnose me because I'm not bipolar. And they thought I was being one of those crazy people like, oh, you know what? I'm not bipolar. I'm this. No, I've been studying it. I, I know who I am as a person, and I know I register in all these symptoms of borderline personality disorder. I got those. Those are things that I felt in my life. You know, I just, I wanted to raise awareness on BPD because a lot of people don't understand the effects that it does, and you may have it and not realize it. You may be bipolar and actually be borderline personality disorder like me because it's so similar, but it's not. And I don't want to turn this into something like oh, mental illness, because there's going to be people out there like, "There she goes, using her mental illness as a reason." No, I'm not. Border Borderline Personality Disorder is a mental disorder. Care, care, you know. It it's like it's a mental personality disorder that's by unstable moves, behaviors, and a lot of behaviors around relationships. The cause of borderline personality disorder, it isn't understood. It is, you have to be diagnosed with it. I mean, it's very common. Three million people in the world have it. It's treatable by medical professionals and it can last your whole life. And I'm sorry if y'all keep hearing stuff in the background. That's them doing shit. And I've been waiting to record because my mic picks up everything in this place. And it's really pissing me the fuck off. But we're going to keep going. So if you hear it, you hear it. You know, there's not much I can do about it because it's life. And this is how life is for me. (laughs) You have to get a medical diagnosis to have BPD and to start treatment for it. You know, you need to go in. You need to talk to your doctor. And if you feel like you got borderline personality disorder... Talk to your doctor about it. I'm not no fucking doctor, but all I know is that borderline personality disorder comes from childhood abuse and trauma. Up to 70% of people with BPD has experienced sexual, emotional, or physical abuse as a child. Ding, ding, ding. What have I been talking to you guys about? Maternal separation, poor maternal attachment, inappropriate family boundaries, and parental substance. Use this distor- And they... And this is how your kids this is why I always end every show with something lovable with your kids, because this is where it starts. You guys are the way are the way that your kids are going to grow up. Every interaction you have with a child is how they're going to fucking grow up if you're their parent. Talking the way you talk to them the way you speak to them, the way you do anything to them, they will fucking, that's how they're growing up. That's how they're, they're going to view relationships. They're going to view life. You got to take this shit seriously and you got to take emotional health seriously. I know your kid might be physically fine. You might be the cleanest mother. You might take them to all these goddamn things. You might be the most involved mother in the world. But if you're lacking in the mental part of that, you're going to have a bigger issue when you get older. I tell everybody, you can be neglectful to your kids and not even fucking realize it. You can be neglectful emotionally by not listening to them, by, by being one of those parents where you're like, oh, well, I'm the boss and I say this is how it's going to go. I apologize to my daughter if I do something that's not right or if I raise my voice. Or if I like find myself raising my voice when I've done and when I've been frustrated. I always say, you know what? I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have done that to you. I should have not raised my voice. It's not good. And people can say what they want about me as a parent. People can say, oh, you're raising a sissy. You're raising this. No, I'm raising an emotional, well-fucking person. That's what my goal is. I'm not doing the same shit my mom did. I got my ass beat. What the fuck did it get me? Not nowhere. But with emotional fucking problems. So any, I've never had to spank my kids. Don't get me wrong. My son was a little different because I was in a different mind frame. I didn't know that. He did get spankings. Not a lot of them, but he did. It wasn't beatings. I've never had to whoop my second child. I've never had to do anything. She is not... And as I got, and of course, they're 10 years difference. I want you to know that. My kids are 10 years apart. So I had a lot of growing in those 10 years to see the kind of parent that I wanted to be. I knew I did not want to be the kind of parent that my parents were. Or their parents. Or so on. So that's why I don't drink heavily. I'll drink sociably every now and then. Normally it's one drink. (laughs) I don't do drugs. And that's not because I think I'm better than anybody. I don't judge anybody. I have family members that are drug addicts. My mother's a drug addict. I I don't care about any of that. My goal is to make sure that my child and my children know that everything I do for them is out of love. And I want to be there for them emotionally. So there's times that I may have lacked with my son emotionally. It's all a learning process. We're good now and that's all that matters. But I still wish I could go back and put this knowledge that I have now into that so I could have raised him. I feel like I could have done a better job. He tells me I did a great job. But in my heart, I feel I've let him down some way. Like, damn, I gave you a mentally ill fucking mom. I was 17, so fucking mentally ill. No, no guidance, and I did the best I could. But And it, was, it wasn't always perfect. It wasn't always right. And I thought when I had Bailey, you know, this is my chance. And I adore my kids. More than anything in this world. I live every day for them. I adore my grandchild. I love her. And I see how wonderful my son and his girlfriend is to their child. And it's so wonderful. They're so emotionally there. They're so there physically. It's 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 just wonderful. You don't know you did a great job raising a kid until they're older. And I always say that. My son is a good kid. He's not a kid. He's 21. He's a good man. And I did have help. I'm not going to discredit the people that helped me. But this is about me, y'all. So... But I did a good job. With the life that I had, I did did a good job. And I have to be nicer to myself. After all, it is my birthday today. I have to be nicer. I sometimes hate when I brag about myself. I feel so narcissistic, which I know I'm not because I care way too much and have too many feelings to be a narcissist. I may have some tendencies in there. And who wouldn't? You know what I'm saying? We'll get into that on another episode. I wanted to end this lighter because I didn't want the image of what happened to me in that room to stick in y'all's heads and feel sorry for me. Because a lot of times I don't like expressing what happened in that room. In that room for so long, I was stuck. I was paralyzed. I was scared. It's like. I was embarrassed to even say anything. But I will say that... You know... It'll get better as these episodes go on. It won't be as rough as this one. There... That was a pretty big one. And there was some stuff I did leave out. Just because... Some things just don't need to be re-said. Eventually, that guy ended up leaving my mother. And he ended up doing some very bad things to other people. That's not my story, though. Um, He ended up going to jail. All that. I won't tell anybody else's story on here because it's just not my job to do that. Now, if they ever wanted to come on and talk about it with me, we can do that, and they know who they are. I don't have to repeat this because with the story, they already know who they are. But I will say he didn't end up in prison, so that's good. And, of course, you know, my mom didn't find out about any of this until I was a little older because a lot of it I suppressed. And one day when I was 10... I remember waking up, and I remember smelling cigarettes or something. I don't know what it was. It was a smell of coffee, cigarettes, and I don't know. I was laying in my grandma's bed. And it was like a million things hit me at once. I remember being immediately crying and remembering everything. And it... and. You know, they took me to the hospital, all that shit, because I was all fucking freaked out. And, you know, therapy and all that. And they're like, it's a repressed memory. That's what you're dealing with right now. You're feeling, you, something triggered you and three, like, because it's like with having post-traumatic stress disorder. And, of course, they say I have that, too. But, you know, from being, you know, raped and everything, which I get. Certain smells, images, and things like that will do that, will bring you back. And ever since then, I just knew. Well, I knew that man was not right because when I could, I could close my eyes. And if he was in the room and I didn't know it, I could feel his energy. He made me sick to my stomach. Because I had to see him after the fact that him and my mother broke up. Because he ended up getting with another family member. But... um. When he did that, I would have to see him. And nothing ever happened after that. When I would see him at their house and things, I never, nothing ever happened. It was like it never happened. So I think that a lot of that, you know, is stuff that I had to, to recover from. And, ooh, it's been a fucking doozy. But I'll leave today and I'll say this Apologize to your child if you're wrong If you know that you would apologize to an adult For some things like an outburst The way you've acted emotionally um, Do that to your child too Your child is a little human growing up They have thoughts, they have feelings, they have all that stuff So I feel like you need to listen Pay attention to your child Watch their cues. Know what they want before they anticipate their, what they need, their needs. Pay attention. Put your phone down. And I can take this as notes too. I'm not no better than anybody. Pay attention to what they want, what they need. It might not be best. They may not like it. But there's things that you have to do for your child as an adult, as their parent, to help them and guide them in life. And I don't want to spend my whole life, you know, not making my child upset. There's going to be times she's going to be upset with me, but that's me just being a parent. But listen, pay attention. You're going to know if something's going wrong with your child. You're going to catch it before anybody else does. And I know we get in the everyday hustle and bustle of life and we're moving along. We're working. We have all these damn things we got to do. It can be scary. It can be rough. It's just a, it's life as a parent. But listen to your child. I'm going to end that today, and I hope everybody has a great day. And I'll see you guys next time.